One-of-a-kind shades made to order by Vaporshades.com. Vaporshades designs the outer layer of the sunglasses just like a wrap on a car. They customize your sunglasses, marbling the paint. The end result is no two pair of sunglasses are alike. Yours will be completely unique to you. Check us out at Vaporshades.com. Use promo code TUTTLE for 15% off your entire order. Get ready for your daily dose of Tuttle. The all-time greatest uh, intern slash producer we've ever had, of course, Tuttle. Tuttle in Florida. It's Tuttle's Daily Podcast. Nice cock! Nice cock! Greetings and welcome to another edition of the Tuttle Daily Podcast. A lot of you people have been messaging me. And I wanted to give you a little bit of a barge update. Woke up this morning, came out, the barge was gone. I absolutely have no idea when they got it off. But I'm going to have to look into that. I'm going to take a quick break. Make sure you check out my website, Tuttle.net. Tuttle with two Ds, T-U-D-D-L-E.net. You're going to be able to find every single place You can find me online, so go to Tuttle.net. The whole thing has been redesigned. It's so much easier to use, way cleaner, way sleeker. The reason I'm going to break early is because when I come back, I got an interview with the one and only Charlie Alamo and then Joshua Shea. He's got a couple of books out that deal with porn addiction, and they're really, really good interviews, and I hope you guys enjoy You're listening to the Tuttle Daily Podcast. Want to support the show? Go to paypal.me slash Tuttle on the radio. Have you considered owning your own restaurant franchise? Good Life Organics currently offers territories across the United States. Check out GLO Franchising. That's GLO Franchising on Facebook to sign up for an overview session today. Good Life Organics Franchising, a new partner of the Tuttle Daily Podcast. Tell them Tuttle sent you. Send them a message on Facebook at facebook.com slash GLO Franchising. What's up, Charlie Alamo? How are you? I'm good. How's it going, Tuttle? Doing well, man. Uh, Been up really early. Had a little thing. My dad's blood sugar got really low. So we ended up, you know, when you get that low of sugar, you become like a complete asshole. Like you're you're very combative. And I'm not trying to call my dad an asshole. He just, you know, you're out of it. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, we ended up having to call the paramedics and they uh, they gave him an IV IV of uh, glucose. So. Um, he's snapped out of it, but he's been very lethargic pretty much most of the day. So what have you been up to? I've just been, um, doing a whole lot of nothing, kind of relaxing today. Just, uh, trying to get some stuff in order for next week, basically. Yeah, what's, what's the weather like up in Montana right now? It's got to be getting a little bit colder. It is at night. It actually warmed back up the beginning of the week. It was really cold. Now it's back into like the mid seventies during the day. So it's not too bad. Yeah, it was nice to get that first cool blast of air here in the state of Florida. Oh, I bet. I bet it was a nice uh, relief after just straight humidity and heat and then raining. See, it's not even the cool weather. I I don't think people realize this here in Florida. It's when the humidity gets sucked out. 
Yeah. So it's is ninety percent of the killer down there. Yeah. So um, the barge, the barge is gone. I woke up this morning and walked out to the water, and the the barge is now gone. I have no idea how the hell they got that damn thing off. I wish I wish I would have been up. How long was that stuck there? Um. Well, the last time I looked at it was about eleven thirty, and it was probably around six o'clock when I finally noticed it was stuck in the morning. So, I mean, it was it was a, over a good twelve hours. Oh wow, that's a long time for something to be stuck out there. Yeah. So I don't know, man. I would like to find out what happened. Yeah, you know, because somebody had to get fired over. Oh, absolutely. Has there been any reporting in the news on it? No, no, no. I I sent it out to all the local news media, but I guess, you know, uh, the president getting coronavirus kind of squashed that. Oh, I thought they I thought they blocked you, too. Yeah, no, they 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 probably did. There's no telling. Now, a lot of the local news people do still follow. Me, so um i heard that florida I, radio's uh twitter handle was going out telling all the local news to block you yeah yeah it would not surprise me at all there's no telling i i still am curious of who has it out were you are you worried that there are 1200 people that like that page or like that twitter handle might uh not uh, want to become tuttle fans now yeah yeah i've been getting a lot of hate uh today was actually colton last day at the brn yeah i actually i got up uh i woke up late but i thought they would do like an after show type thing and they didn't do anything so i didn't get to see anything of what happened did they do anything for colton i think they made him a homemade uh card that lummox created you know what at that point i just be like i don't even fucking want this i just want it to be my last day enough with the fucking tomfoolery i'm done and that, that's the thing about it is that he actually did it the way you're supposed to. But most people on radio leave scorched earth. Yeah, I mean, just in my case alone. Not even in radio, just in any jobs, dude. I usually give a two-week um, notice. The only place that I never gave a two-week notice to was when I worked at the dispensary because my boss quit that day. And I was like, fuck this. They're going to let the chick who had COVID, who pretended that she had COVID so she could get two weeks off, is going to be the boss for the next two weeks that I got to work here? Nah, today's my last day. Was she hot at all? No, she had the body of a 13-year-old boy. Some people are into that. Yeah, I'm not. No, I know you're not. I'm just saying. No, I know they are because people would come in there and hit on her all the time. And I was like, I I don't get it. A lot of Catholic priests. A lot of Catholic priests coming in and buying pots. No, a lot of old uh, creepy dudes, though, for sure. Maybe priests. I don't know. Oh, real creepy either way. So, well, man, that's that's really interesting. But I mean, you know what? It's probably a good thing that you did get out. You know, you saw the writing on the wall. Yeah, just same thing with public radio, too. I've been working with them, and then they just don't have any more funding anymore. And so I was like, okay, cool. This will be my last week there. So I finished up my stuff, and I'm done there, too. So does public radio get funded on no. the state level? Or... No, they don't get any funding at all. Like uh, public radio, uh, like um, public television got funding, and then they got it cut. But then I think they got some of it back public radio does not get any funding except for donations from um listeners and the fucked up thing is 
because the station that I work at splits time with Missoula's public radio station. Everybody who gets a uh, something in the mail saying donate to public money goes to Missoula. We don't get any of that money. So people, people donate to that thinking that they're giving us money and they're not. It's it's just a whole clusterfuck, dude. So it's another uh, situation that I'm glad I don't have to deal with anymore. You need to get somebody to go dress up as Mr. Rogers and go like talk to the government because uh, he gave this great speech because back in the 80s or whatever it may be, because I watched that documentary. Yes. Him, and they were going to cut all of the funding for PBS. And, and he basically went up there and told them why they should be funded. And and because the senators were all like, we got to get rid of this. And, and he was able to like turn them around. Well, the problem with the station that I worked at, or yeah, worked at, because I don't work there anymore, is a lot of these places have um, like specialty shows and stuff. Like, not that the one state, not the station that I worked at didn't, but they cater to a lot more. They have podcasts, so you actually can get them streaming, not in just the town anymore. Because when I left the first time, dude, they were streaming online and did all this stuff and kept up with all the reports. And after I left, they just didn't do any of that anymore. They tried to do everything on a shoestring budget instead of getting a few people there. And uh, that's what ends up happening, man. You got people that don't know anything about radio who argue over... When I was there, they were arguing over a $60 fucking bill for a show. I was like, you think I'm going to get any money out of them? They're arguing over $60 fucking dollars. So, <laughs> I it's mean, it's fun. That, man. It was fun. It was a fun time. I got to play a lot of cool music, and they gave me an opportunity. So I'm not shitting on them for that. But everything else, that of how they're run not the station manager's fault it's the board's fault so what are so, you gonna do let me let me ask you i've been reading a lot on social media everybody is saying that the president really does not have the coronavirus he's you know just laying low a little bit he just has the some time the sniffles instead of corona. Yeah, yeah yeah well i mean but i mean it also doesn't look good in my opinion and so I, I lead to believe that he really does have it. But you also got to look at it is that he is in that high risk category. He's in his 70s. He's obese. Yeah, he's not in the best of shape. What if the COVID took him down? Oh, there'd be so many people excited, but so many people bummed out. What happens then? Like, does, who do, do the uh, Republicans then have to vote somebody up to you know, run against Biden, what would happen? Well, I I mean, it would, I guess it would go to Pence. I mean, I really don't even know, man. This is such a 2020 thing, though, you know? I mean, with the way that this year has gone so far, I mean, this is like one of the last things that we need. Our country, it definitely showed that our country is bipolar as fuck because it's either people screaming about how they love Trump or how they hate Trump. And there's no... And God forbid if you're in between and you try to have a civil conversation about people or tell them that you don't vote. Holy shit. You might yeah. as well fucking break into their house, fucking steal everything and rape their children when you tell them that. Yeah. I mean, we've never been this divided before. In my opinion. No. And quite frankly, what did people think was going to happen when they voted him in that it was just going to be, you know not turmoil for the next couple of years, especially when the next election came along. Because both of the, quite frankly, both of them are pretty incompetent. Yeah, I hate Biden too. Biden's an idiot and Trump doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. So it's like, 
the what do you do? You pick the lesser of two evils. Like it's it just doesn't make any sense. That's part of the reason why I don't vote. Yeah, I mean, I haven't done it in a while either. I mean, it's kind of like a waste of time. They don't do anything for us anymore. So like, not only, but when you think about it, Montana only has like three electoral votes. Quite frankly, what the fuck? You know, that's why people are worried about Ohio and fucking New Hampshire and all this shit, because they have more votes. We don't have dick. It's not going to matter if I vote or not. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like I don't think Montana has ever been the make it or break it state in the history of the political system. I don't even think it would be a make it or break it state in general. It'd probably be a break it state, if anything. Montana laughs at Wyoming. That's about it. And maybe the Dakotas. But is it all Trump people up in Montana, though? There is a lot of Trump people. I mean, there's basically the people that are for Biden around here are from, like, California and shit. Now, don't you guys got, like, a male or female governor? Uh, No, I think we got a I male governor. I think one of those states around there. Now, you know what? It's South oh, Dakota. It's, it's Dakota. Yeah, because she yeah. was out there. She did that thing where she's, like, in the middle of a field shooting ducks or some shit. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that ad or not. I, no, did. I did. I did see oh. it. They all run around the same thing around here. It's just, uh. it's so, dude, I'm so tired. I just can't wait until these fucking commercials are over with. They make it sound like they fucking, any of these people, doesn't matter which side you're on, they would break into your house, fucking steal stuff, burn it down, fucking take your car, rack up money on your credit cards, fucking kill your grandma, take all of her prescription medications. They make these people seem to be like the worst fucking people in every ad, and then the next ad's how great they are. They built a park. You're like, what the fuck is going on here? I don't want to see this every 15 fucking seconds. There's a commercial. Also, my God, would you want to be a part of a group? Have you, I mean, have you heard of the Proud Boys? Yeah, I know vaguely about these these things. But yeah, I know it's some other kind of group that's banding together about something. I don't know. Yeah, it's like, it's basically the opposite of Black Lives Matter. But Proud Boys, it just sounds like a gay boy band. It sounds like, very cheeky, does Yeah. It sounds, yeah, it sounds like they might show up to your house and spray it with uh, confetti. Yeah, glitter bomb. Yes, that's not, the, I don't know, that's again, why would you want to be, even if you were, if, if you, you're, values aligned with the things that they were about that's kind of douchey to run around and call yourself that same thing also, with these people that are like these antifa people like that's a shitty fucking couldn't they come up with something better than that what the yeah. fuck but they're all pussies though to the uh antifa people because they wear masks and everything because and as soon as i heard antifa it made me think of antiquing remember back in the day when you throw fucking uh flower on somebody that was sleeping? oh yeah i uh that was on the jackass movie yeah. Now, BLM, every time uh, Black Lives Matter BLM, it makes me hungry for a bacon lettuce tomato. Okay, I could see I that. I don't As, know why. She started to say BL, I was going to say, isn't she on uh, the Big Eight? She was another Ron and Fez. Uh, yeah. Person. You lost a finger, too, man. Yeah, I heard that story. It was great when she, I remember working at fucking Kmart when she would come up and do the Ron and Fez show and listening to her and Fez get into fights and shit. It was great. She knows how yeah. to work. No, she's good. I, I mean, she's great. Um, 
did you ever remember to ever listen to some of those old shows with all the girls and says would be in Hooters on the radio? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I've went back and found some clips. It's kind of hard to find some of those, but yeah, Fez was very animated back then. Yeah, man, what happened? I mean, I love Fez still, man, but goddamn. I mean, I just don't know. Like, I know he was having his health issues and stuff, and I wish him nothing but the best, and I hope he gets healthy and everything. But man, at, at the at the high point of the Ron and Fez show, those two were amazing with each yeah. other. Maybe he just falls out of the, you know. The shtick ran its course or something. Some things happen to people. They change, man. Things, you know, things change for sure. I've been listening to some of these old ones, and maybe I've talked to you about this. Bob Lasseter. Yeah. I know um, Lasseter. I've been I've been listening to something. Man, he used to get into it pretty hardcore too. Yeah, he did. He's another one. If uh, I follow, and actually they follow me too. The the Neil Rogers. Yeah, Twitter. the Neil Rogers. They have all those old Bob Lasseters and like Rick and old a uh, couple little clips of phil henry but phil henry doesn't like that site so he had his shit pulled down from there oh he did yeah he was having a fucking fight with because he thought that they were profiting off it but they're not because it's free what they're doing is keeping these archives alive which is fucking awesome yeah i mean you know a lot of people don't realize this is that a lot of back in the day those old recordings after a while especially here in the state of Florida, if you don't have that stuff stored in a uh, climate-controlled room, that that stuff is not going to last. Most of that shit's on tapes, too, and those disintegrate pretty easily, man. The coolest thing was when I was uh, back east, my buddy uh, John had, like, all of the... He had cassettes, tons of cassettes of Howard Stern because he would tape them all the time, so we'd just go and hang out in his fucking hang out at his truck and drink beers beforehand and listen to old Howard Stern from like 94 back in the day when he was kicking ass and it was fucking awesome wasn't it like some out ridiculous amount of hours and time it took for them to digitize all of Howard's um archive yeah and the fact that they did that and they only play like shit from three years ago is ridiculous that's why i kind of can't wait till he leaves so i can see what they do with his archives because sirius owns not owns but they retain the rights to his archives for seven years after he's retires so even the old stuff then yes that's why it's curious to see what they did because they had a lot of good stuff i got a free trial for sirius the other day so i signed up and i was i've been listening to the history of howard stern and that's probably one of the best uh audio documentary type things that they put together except now listening to it now they cut a lot of shit out of it dude it used to be a lot longer than what it was i've listened to the unedited or the one that they used to run back in the day that wasn't as heavily edited and uh it was a lot better in my opinion well when's your next show gonna be coming out if people want to check it out where can they find it if they go to anchor.fm slash lame show, I've got a bunch of new stuff up there. And not, like I said on the last show, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday is new day. So I re- already recorded Tuesday's show. It's done. I finished wrapping up talking about uh, my trip to Alaska the first time. And then uh, actually kind of talk about Kmart and John and some of the high drinks there as well. So it's a pretty good episode. That'll be out on. T- so what I'm going to start talking about, maybe something else. We'll have to get you on the show and talk yeah. about something. Uh, any any more Kmart's even around anymore? Not that I think. Uh, I think there was one here in Montana for a while, but I think it went out out of business too after the whole COVID thing. There was a Sears here for a, a good chunk of time, but 
Yeah, the Kmart that was here went out of business like maybe three years ago. And then the place that was next to it was this huge sporting goods store called Big Bear. And they went out of business because some dude got drunk and he drove his truck through the like the distributing warehouse and billings or some shit. And they yeah. went up because of it. Wow, man. It's, yeah, it's, it's funny. Craziness. It's funny how these big stores like go to the wayside. It is crazy between mismanagement or whatever. I remember when everybody was because um, when I first got hired on at uh, at Kmart, I think they had just bought. I think Craftsman had just got bought out by like Stanley or whatever, and their quality of tools went to shit, dude. Nobody wanted to buy Craftsman tools for the longest time. They were actually a pretty decent tool, but you start. Did, weren't they a lifetime warranty on those too? Yeah, and then they stopped offering that and just little fucking ticky tacky shit. And then I just heard nothing but bad things about it. And now you don't even hear about it. Now the new fucking Craftsman is like that Husky brand that you yeah. see everywhere. They make pretty decent tools. Now we're talking cool. about fucking tools. Jesus Christ. <laughs> What about Tool the Band? Overrated, in my opinion. Yeah, you're not a big Brent Maynard fan? No. Not no. at all. He's uh, all. He uh, owns his own vineyard. I was trying to think of the word. My brain went retarded there for a minute. Yeah, but that shit got burned down. Did it? I, I mean, a lot of these wineries in California burned to the ground. Oh, yeah. I don't know if it did or not. I don't know where it's at. It probably is in California. Who else has one? Oh, that douchebag from Train. I hope his winery burned down. <laughs> what, what was it like? Uh, hey, soul sister vineyard. I hope not. It was yeah. uh, it was drops of Jupiter fucking vineyards. This um, as stupid train. And, and the other thing that they were saying about the uh, the vineyards and the uh, wine fields with the grapes and everything that all the wines coming out tasting like smoke now. Ooh, it's got a smoky aftertaste. Did you enjoy wine when you used to drink? Um, a little bit. A little bit. I mean, I don't know. It just gave me bad heartburn sometimes. Yeah, it gave me terrible heartburn. One time we bought one of those big-ass bottles from Costco, the ones that are ridiculously big that nobody needs to drink. And oh, it's like a jug. Yeah, it's bigger than a jug. It was huge. This thing was fucking huge. And uh, we drank all of it, and I got so sick that I never drank wine again. <laughs> Is that a PT Cruiser down by the lake? Oh, no, wait. It's the Tuttle Podcast Studio. Tuttle's Daily Podcast is brought to you by StitchYouUp.com. For your embroidery, screen printing, vinyl, and direct-to-garment printing needs, visit StitchYouUp.com. Stitch You Up specializes in custom caps, shirts, decals, and anything you want to personalize. Whether it's one item or large orders, they can handle any size. Unsure about what you want? Let Stitch You Up help you with your logo design. Visit stitchyouup.com or contact them, eric at stitchyouup.com. Stitch You Up, definitely not your grandma's embroidery. Welcome back to the Tuttle Daily Podcast. I got a very special guest on and this is something very, very interesting that I want to talk about. I got the one and only Josh Shea on. Josh, do you prefer Joshua? Josh, does it does it really, really matter? It really doesn't matter to me. I look up at either. <laughs> well, I do the same thing because my real name is Pat, but people like to call me Patrick or Pat, but I go by Tuttle on the radio. My now, brother's Josh, name is Patrick. Oh, he is. Do you call him Pat? 
Patrick? I call him. I called him Pat when I was young, but when he launched a professional career, he started wanting everybody to call him Patrick, and uh, even friends he made started calling him Patrick. So I just picked it up, I guess, and now I call him Patrick. Now, Josh, I'm tell everybody because it's very, very interesting. You, you are almost like a guru when it comes to porn addiction. Now, a lot of people are probably wondering how can it be a problem just watching porn and tell people your book, your website, every place that they can find you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've written three books about the subject. I have an online course designed for the partners of porn addicts. Um, and I also do counseling slash uh, coaching with both addicts and their partners. And you can discover all of it at recoveringpornaddict.com. Um, that's the easiest way to go to find everything that I do, a bunch of resources and whatnot. Uh, as to your question, uh, I really used to share a ton of stats, but since the pandemic happened, I believe all the stats that we have on record are really low because the uh, porn addiction and the por world of online porn has absolutely exploded in the last six, seven months. But here's, the, here's a stat to scare you. That uh, was from 2017. It was from an organization called the Barna Group, which is a consulting firm that, that runs surveys for different organizations. And they interviewed thousands of people, or thousands of men, I should say. They found that in the male age group from 18 to 30, that 33% self-reported that they thought that they were either addicted or had a uh, problem with pornography. That's one out of three men under 30 saying that they have an issue with pornography. And that, like I said, and that's two or, two or three years old now. I can't believe the problem got any better, especially during the last six, eight months when we've been sitting home by ourselves in front of our computer, not having a whole lot of human interaction. Now, okay. Those numbers are fine and well, but please help me understand what are the issues with it, though. I mean, okay. Well, here's 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 a story for you. I go around and I travel. I talk to churches, libraries, colleges. Uh, the last uh, presentation I was able to give at a, at a library back in, or I'm sorry, at a college back in December, it was for a women's uh, health and sexuality group at a health center at a college. Uh, mostly all 18 to 22-year-old women there. Mm -hmm. and, we, and I was given my stats. I was doing my little spiel. And one of the women at the end raised her hand and said that she did not like to have sex with virgin men anymore. And I said, what does that have to do with pornography? Okay. And she said that every young man now, every guy under 25 learns about sex through pornography. That is their sex ed these days. And if they're, and virgin men have taken their cues from even the most vanilla pornography that's out there, the one man, one woman thing. And that is where the man is aggressive. The man is holding the women down. The man is saying, you know, horrible things to the girl. The girl is yeah. often talking in subservient ways. And this doesn't even talk about how degrading the ending of every porn is. And think about these teenage boys who have seen hundreds, if not thousands, of these videos then going into their first sexual experience. They think this is normal. 
And these young women don't want to be with guys like this. And this is how you get these incel and red pill movements is because these guys were raised on pornography, think that women hate them. And, and this is what's happening in our society is that we're raising a, a generation of young men to think that pornography is real when guys like you and I who are older and have perspective know it's it's not a reality show. It's not a documentary. Pornography no, is pornography's fiction, but a 15-year-old boy doesn't know that, and uh, they're getting their minds filled with this stuff. And I'm not anti-porn. I really am not. I'm pro-education, and I'm pro-talking about it. Just like I think parents should talk but, about cigarettes and drinking, they need, to talk, about, they need to talk about pornography. I don't think the pornography talk is part of the sex talk. I think the pornography talk is part of why you don't do dangerous things when you're young. If you're 18 and you want to look at porn, go for it. Smoke cigarettes, drink your beer. But if you're 13 years old and you're living in my house, I don't want you doing these things that are dangerous for you. And they can be very dangerous for you. They can lead to health issues. Like how? Health issues, how? Like how can masturbating a bunch create health problems? The statistics. I, mean, I, I you know. The statistics. I'm just trying are... to figure out because they say, they say if you're not ejaculating, it could cause two uh, problems with the prostate and stuff. Yeah, well, there's still a lot, of, uh, a lot of debate on whether masturbation is good for you or not. But people have to remember, masturbation and pornography are two absolutely different things. You'll consider them going together like chocolate and peanut butter, but they're yeah. two different they're two different things. And you can be addicted to one, the other, or both. Um, but a lot of people, you know, look at especially the addicts look at pornography and don't always actually masturbate to it. A lot of it is just the visual stuff. Uh, but anyway, um, if you look at statistics of men in their late teens and early twenties, the examples of erectile dysfunction are double, triple that they ever have been. And there's actually a term for this now. It's porn-induced erectile dysfunction. And I, I worked with a guy not too long ago, um, you know, and he has this, he was 22, has a 20-year-old girlfriend. They're both smart, funny people, the kind you'd want your kid to grow up to be like. But yeah. he watched so much porn from 14 to very recently that he developed this PIED, porn-induced erectile dysfunction, and he can only get off when porn is playing in the room. So he and his girlfriend, for a while, they would have either a TV on or a laptop going with porn playing because that's the only way he could finish. Eventually, she said she didn't want to do it that way anymore because she felt like basically a third wheel. So they figured out if she was in the living room on her telephone, he was in the bedroom with his laptop, he could, they could sext with each other and have a session because looking at her on a screen told his mind that it was pornography. And when, they, when he reached you know, that part where he was about to climax, she would run in the room and they would finish like quote-unquote normal people. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing that's happening. And think about this. If they, were, if they want to have a kid... Porn has to be playing in the room. That's the kind of stuff that's happening. And that's not the kind of stuff you can predict. You know, you can go ahead and say, I'm going to watch a lot of porn and nothing's going to happen. And that may be true. 
You may drink a lot, you may smoke a lot, nothing happens, but there is starting to be more and more people who pornography is affecting in a negative way, and that's why I think we need to talk about it more, especially okay. with younger people. Now, how did this become a cause for you? Do do it was was there something personally that happened in your life? How this this has like made this something that you think is important? Um, and you don't have to answer if you don't want to. I just was kind of curious to see if like there was any personal experience where you were like, all right, you know what, this this may be a problem. Uh, well, you know, I recognized I was I was an addict from the day that I first saw it when I was twelve or thirteen. I, How I, old are you, by the way? I'm 44. Okay, so so you're you know you're around my age. When we were growing up, we didn't have the access to the type of video. So I'm pretty sure some of the stuff that you were first looking at maybe was magazines, correct? Yeah, or, or the first video. First thing I saw was a magazine when I was about 12. When I was 14, I found a video store that would rent to me. This was the point where Blockbuster was starting to take over and moms and pops needed to yeah, stay alive. They yeah, needed to stay to alive, so they just looked the other way when you'd rent your porno films. Every day after school, I'd rent two porno movies. And I'd go to the, the convenience store nearby and I'd buy a couple beers because I was also an alcoholic very young. And yeah. my, day, my day after school was watching porn, having a couple beers. Then after my parents went to bed late at night, once again, I'd pop in the other porno movie, drink the other couple beers I had. That's how I got through life as, as a youngster. And then at about 18, 19 years old, that's when the internet started to hit uh, in the mid to late uh, Game 90s. over then. Well, yeah, I never had to pay a dime for it ever again. I never had to go anywhere for it ever again. It's uh, straight to your home at that point. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about it is I don't even know how they are able to produce porn flicks anymore because, you know, if you're paying for pornography in this day and age, you are just a sucker, in my opinion. I mean, it's out there free for well, everybody to watch. You, you say that, but OnlyFans has figured out the system. Uh, and most people un over 35 don't know what OnlyFans is, and it's an absolute staple part of the culture for everybody under 35, because what OnlyFans has done is it, it, it crossed that last line of pornography. It created the genre of porn of people you know, and yeah, people, no, are I mean still, people are still willing to pay for that. Oh, I, I, I agree 100%. Now, on only only fans i i know i've 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 looked at them and and i know a lot of these but i i thought it was just solo like with women i are they allowed to have guy on girl sex yep. on only yep. fans they you're are. allowed okay. to, you're allowed to do whatever you want on your site as long as it's not illegal wow um now and, and the one oh, thing i'll man, tell you this, is this... between between january 1st 2020 and January 1st, 2021, there are likely going to be 1.3 million men and women who have become porn creators on OnlyFans. That's 1.3 yeah. million people who are now, quote unquote, porn stars. And what that makes me wonder is, we know that watching porn is an addiction because we now have 20 years of studying the internet and its effect on the youngest generation. But what I wonder is now, in 20 years, are we going to find that porn creation 
can actually be an addiction because that's a dopamine rush as well. And I've interviewed a lot of people for my last book who are on OnlyFans and who are cam models. And while they love the money, most of what they talk about is the fact they love being called beautiful. They love feeling special. It's a fantasy world where they are the star, not like their real lives. And those are all the things that you hear from people who are addicts. And I wonder now, you know, in 20 years, are there going to be 40 and 45-year-old people who can't give up doing something like OnlyFans because it's giving them the dopamine rush that a gambling addict or a porn addict or one of these other addicts gets? We may be in the very beginning days of porn creation being an addiction. Okay, now, and, and I know it's a little bit of a stretch, but, you know, I mean, I think people are getting addicted to social media. Isn't OnlyFans, isn't OnlyFans just a, um, I mean, the whole key is to get as many followers as you can because of the money that you can make off. People are making, uh, as social media influencers are making lots of lots money and they're doing a lot of dumb stuff all the hate how what they're willing to do to make a name for themselves it's it i just thought about that and it's it's just a little interesting i know i know it's a big difference well but i, I being think unhealthy. it takes it to the next level yeah it's a spoke of being unhealthy you know and that's one thing is that like i said i'm not anti-porn i'm not about uh, you know, trying to end pornography because it's been around for thousands and thousands of years, back to cave painting times. Um, so it's not something that's ever going to go away. But what we need to do is tell all these, you know, 20-year-old influencer girls that you go down this road, it can be unhealthy. We need to talk about these guys who are bankrupting themselves to see the girls from high school naked, that this can end up being not healthy. Now, Nothing can happen to you. Nothing happens to most people, but nothing happens to most people who drink. Nothing happens to most people who smoke, but it's, we still educate people because there's a chance that negativity and bad things will happen to them. And I think that's what we need to start doing with pornography because over the last 20, 22 years, we now have enough proof that this is a potentially dangerous substance and a potentially dangerous behavior. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I see where you're coming on everything, and uh, you know, but that a I joke? just no, it's not a joke. I knew as soon as I said that, I, I was like, oh crap, <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. But uh, um, um, but no, what I, what I mean is, is like, why? So you're saying you're not against it? I get that. What needs to be done? Then? Like, what regulated? Does it need to be regulated? I mean, no, what can no. be done? I mean, I, I, I would love to see, uh, you know, more uh, uh, normalization, I guess I would say. Like of, on the of, warning labels on cigarettes. What's that? And I, I, what I was going to say, I mean, like with, um, you know, you're talking about the younger generation coming into this is that, and I just said it again, um, uh, on like smokeless tobacco, alcohol, uh, cigarettes. You know, they got the warning labels of what can potentially happen uh, using this product. I, I think that because this is a digital medium and not something that you can pick up at a corner store, what we really need to do is impart to parents and impart to educators. 
Um, you know, you, they teach anti-smoking, they teach anti-drugs in health classes. Um, and I think that, you know, you spend one day talking about the potential dangers of pornography. You know, with a 14-year-old boy, a 14-year-old boy doesn't want to be a, a porn addict. A 14-year-old wants a girlfriend, wants to be able to get physical with them, but it still might be a couple years down the road, so they'll take what they can get now. However, I believe if you tell 14-year-old boys some of these stories of porn-induced erectile dysfunction, that may spark something because right now, these kids don't know of any negative consequences that grow out of porn addiction. And if we shared with them, here are some of the negative consequences. You know, essentially, you can break your penis looking at too much porn because you can't get an erection later on. I think some of these warnings uh, would actually go quite a long way to talking about it. And I think with younger kids, you can make it age appropriate. You know, if you're a nine-year-old kid and, you know, you're using your, your tablet or you're at a friend's house and they have their phone and you see certain pictures of adults naked doing things, you know, let me know. And, and make it not judgy. Make it not dangerous. Make it not shameful or embarrassing. You know, we can talk about pornography and not talk about the actual content of what's being seen, and this will probably help lower this stat that one in three guys under 30 believes they have a problem with watching it. Now, you're talking about the uh, erectile dysfunction that can happen. Now, is there any correlation? Because, you know, I'm not, I don't want to paint with a uh, broad brush, but you know, the, most of the guys that do watch a lot of pornography maybe might not be the best with ladies, and and they're kind of nerdy guys like I am. You're wrong. On you're, you're, ab you're absolutely wrong. You're absolutely wrong. I have been to rehab twice. I have interviewed dozens, if not well over 100 uh, porn addicts. I'm a former porn addict myself. Like I said, I went to rehab twice. I have met doctors, lawyers. I have met men, you know, I've met women, I've met every nationality. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It's just like any other addiction. There is no stereotype. There is no stereotypical addict. I know we think it's a 19-year-old guy living in his mom's basement who's never kissed a girl in real life, but that's mm. not it. There are people who run the gamut from, you know, 12 years old to 82 years old, all sexes, all nationalities. It's just that we don't talk about this. So, you know, society and the media has gave us this geeky guy stuck on pornography picture in our head, and well, that's not the reality. I was talking about being, uh, because, you know, I, uh, I was in uh, a mental institution for about 11 days, and uh, I got off all the, um, uh, you know, antidepressant drugs. And, and for the longest time, I noticed, I was like, damn, I'm not even masturbating. And it had been a couple of years uh, since it had happened. And when I got off of all those, my normal, healthy sex drive came back, in my opinion. And that, that's what I was asking, if there was any correlation uh, to people being on antidepressants causing some of those issues. I've not read anything about that. The thing that you'll find with porn addicts, no matter who they are, what you almost always find is a history of abuse that has left them with unresolved trauma. Oh, you, yeah. You've got 70% seven, of porn and sex addicts have been sexually abused. 
80% have been uh, physically abused. And get this, 95% have been emotionally abused. These stats come from Patrick Carnes, who's considered like the godfather in this industry of sex and porn research. He was doing it before anybody. So essentially, about 90% of porn addicts, myself included, had unresolved trauma. And like the person who, like the person who drinks too much or you know, has any addiction, they are doing it because they are trying to cope with something, soothe something, deal with something uh, through chemicals, through behaviors. No, I, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's basically everything I've been through. Um, I've uh, haven't been drinking for over a year now. Congrats. Um, I was on all types of stuff. So, yep. um, but yeah, and and the the abuse, uh, the tra- trauma, uh, yep. childhood trauma is something that doesn't get talked about enough in this country, in my opinion. You are a hundred percent correct. And- that needs to be part of the conversation as well, because think about it. It's a little bit harder to get cigarettes for a 13-year-old boy or a little bit harder to get beer, but nobody's home in the during the day, and we give all of our kids smartphones now. They're, oh, yeah. If, if they're looking for something to cope with their lives, to deal with the stress, porn seems like it's natural because it's so easy to get your hands on these days. Now, I know this is not in your wheelhouse but you know while we're while we're talking about videos and stuff that people can find online what about these websites these um i was reading an article they're called doom chasers they 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 look for the the gore out there you know people like that disturbing things to watch online and i really do think that is kind of not not creating psychopaths, but it's making them numb to to things that people really shouldn't see in this country, in my opinion. But any any, I don't know. I I, I was just trying because I've been reading a lot about it, where people are looking for these traumatic things online to watch, and I think that could eventually become a problem in the future. Oh, I'm I'm sure it could. I mean, there's clearly something mentally uh not right with that um it's like you know you look at all the genres of pornography you know why does somebody want to see people you know do stuff with food or with animals or with very old people i mean to me it's 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 almost when you talk about these these gore sites and these gonzo sites where they have beheadings and and these other crazy things i think that's almost like another form of pornography uh, you know, while there's no, while it's not necessarily sexual, it is somebody using a visual medium to deal with something that they've got going the, on in their head. To get that rush. Yeah, absolutely. To get that type of rush. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird because, like, you know, there's so many things. Because working in the media like I have, especially in the type of format, You know, you're always looking for news things, audio to be able to play things to talk about. And and I remember one of the first one of those videos that I ever saw was Daniel Pearl, the guy that the the journalist that was kidnapped over there. And I ended up coming across it and, and I turned it off immediately. But it just was like one of those like weird feelings. It was like dirty, but 
it was kind of like, oh crap, I, I've never experienced that in my, it, in my it life. Was I, I don't... It was probably like your first time ever seeing porn. <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I, I don't mean to get way out there on that, but it was just a poor correlation. I, I, I didn't know, like, if it was, you know, work the same way in your brain like pornography would as well. I, I'm, I'm guessing it does. I mean, it probably, it probably, you know, everybody's got their own individual story, but I'm sure that it hits the pleasure centers, you know, the dopamine, the oxytocin, the serotonin. I bet it hits all those places exactly the same. I, I hope I hope you're not mad at me getting way out there on that. It was just a question that I not had. at all, not um, at all. Now, what's your background? You you really seem like you know a lot about the the human psyche a little bit. I mean, are you a psychologist? No, nope, nope. I was actually a journalist for uh, almost thirty years. Uh, a writer. Yep, yeah. I was okay. a newspaper and magazine writer. I also worked as an editor. Um, uh, and, and, uh, also as a publisher, I started my own magazine, uh, here in the state of Maine, uh, back 10, 15 years ago. Uh, but then, uh, uh, the last six, seven years, I, I spend my time about half my time. I spend on this, uh, porn addiction education stuff, because ultimately I believe that had my parents known anything about this they would have shared it with me and it might have scared me off i've never done cocaine i've never done meth you know i you know i tried cigarettes but i didn't stick with them because i knew what was gonna you know happen and i think that my parents you know did a good job teaching me about the stuff they knew was potentially harmful and i believe that if parents these days and i'm sorry this is the way the world is in 2020 but you have to almost inoculate your kids towards this stuff. You have to share the information. Can you make it 100% sure that they're never going to use it? Of course not. And you know they're no. going to experiment like everything else. You know they're going to look at it. And some of them will become hooked on it. But the thing is, we need to at least have the discussion. And that's why I'm out there doing this. Because like I said, in, in rehab, I'm at the richest of the rich. And I've been in support groups and 12-step groups where I've met homeless guys who have this same issue. It, it transcends every demographic. And what we need to do if we're going to change this, and we're not going to create another generation because the, you know, we didn't have high speed internet when I was a kid. Now you can see, you know, a woman screwing a dog, screwing a midget while, you know, they throw lucky charms at them from off camera. You can see anything you want. And that is sexualizing kids younger that is, I don't want to necessarily warping their minds, but it's giving them a vision of sexuality younger than their, than their brains can actually handle. And that's why we need to be out there talking to parents, talking to educators, and getting them to explain this to our kids in an age-appropriate manner. Yeah, I knew I uh, the bestiality stuff would never be my part. I remember uh, that video that people used to send around, that Mr. Hand video, the guy that died because he was trying to have sex with a horse. Oh, that was like one of the worst videos because people would always send that as a joke. And I'm like, oh, God, why can people even think about doing things with animals? Yeah, well, it's like the, the what was it, two girls, one cup. That oh was, yeah, that, that was, was another one too. That was popular right before I and I've I've been clean for almost seven years now, and that was very popular right before I went into treatment. 
And it's one of these things where, I mean, even as a hardcore porn addict at the time, I couldn't stand looking at that. But that's a fetish for some people. And I thought it was fake. I, I was like, yeah, I don't know, man. But I maybe maybe it was. But even it, if it's, it's even if it's fake, it's disgusting. I mean, do you know the, the number one genre of porn online? You can technically not search on Pornhub or the other big sites, and that is incest fantasy. Because you really? cannot you cannot search the word incest on on any of these sites. However, type in the word you know stepmom or daddy or sister or any oh, of that. They get around it. That's how they get around it, and that's and that's how they can also claim they don't have these videos online because you can't search the word incest. If you're a producer, you can't post a video with the word incest. But for the last several years, the number one search has been for incest fantasy. And most of the producers will put up a, a disclaimer at the beginning of their videos that these aren't real people. It's just a fantasy, but it's still yeah. hugely it's still hugely popular. Much like, you know, that that two girls one cup. Even if it was fake, it was very popular. And I think that speaks to the psyche of a lot of people. Now, how do like do do they like if you're an alcoholic, you can go to an AA meeting, but like for porn addiction, like what do you do? Like because like if you are an alcoholic, they can give you medication that's gonna make you sick whenever you drink. Is there any medication, or do you pretty much have to do it on your own? Well, there are twelve-step groups. There are things like Sexaholics Anonymous, Sex Addicts Anonymous. Uh, they've been trying to get pornography anonymous going for years, and it's just never taken off. You've got those. You do have online forums where guys do come together and try to support each other. Um, you know, there are there are rehabs, there are therapists. Uh, there are more certified sex addiction therapists than anything else out there. Um, there are people like myself who have started coaching. Uh, uh, addicts and, and their partners. Um, so there is more help now than there even was six, seven years ago. One of the reasons I got into writing the books is because uh, I, being a journalist, being someone who loves research, I went to the bookstore when I finally decided to enter recovery and there was plenty of stuff there to deal with my alcoholism. There was nothing to deal with porn or sex addiction. And I realized that, you know, I, I kind of had that stereotype of the 19-year-old guy in his basement. Somebody like me who's a professional, who owns a magazine, who has a wife, two kids, I can't be a porn addict. I thought that my porn addiction was just a part of my alcohol addiction, and I made bad choices. But ultimately, it was I, I learned, you know, with, with professional help, it was a separate addiction. And I, I wanted to create books for the average guy who could read them and be like, oh, this happens to everybody or, or, or every type of person or create a book for the partner so she doesn't think that her, her husband or her boyfriend is just a, you know, you know, porn addict, pervert freak when the reality is addiction is a disease of the brain. He probably had it years before he ever met you. You had nothing to do with it. Um, I just have been trying to get the word out there that this is an addiction and that we need to start to address it as an addiction. People talk about rock bottom with most of these things. Uh, is 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 there such a thing when it comes to porn addiction like that? Like, give me like what was the the exact moment or or thing that happened that you were like, oh, 
I got a problem and I might need to do something about it. I think like a lot of addicts, I always knew that I had a problem. Um, I, the, the ultimate uh, deal was when um, I ended up, I started because li like every other addiction, it escalates. Um, and I got to the point where just seeing stuff on a screen wasn't doing it for me. So I started going into chat rooms, um, video chat rooms. And, oh, yeah. and uh, I would talk to women one-on-one. -on -one, and after, you know, I started to learn because of, because I've got this journalist background, I'm very good at asking questions. Yeah, you, you're interviewing. I, I, I mean, you, I mean, that, that had to be kind of like you're getting it from both sides. Professionally, it's got to be satisfying to go in and kind of like interview uh, these chicks. But Absolutely. you're also getting your porn fix. Well, but the thing was, the way that like you and I right now see each other on Zoom, I figured out how to circumvent my camera and put up a video of a younger looking guy who was you know, much better looking than I was, oh. who, lo who looked like he was just typing away on his computer. So these wow. women thought they were talking to, and I never spoke, it was always just typing. They thought they were talking to a much better guy. Meanwhile, I'm asking them leading questions, getting little bits of information, and I'm researching them on the side. So for, in for instance, if you said that, uh, you know, uh, you gave me just enough information that I could find your Facebook page or something like mm -hmm. that. And I saw that you had a bunch of pictures as a gymnast. I might say to you, well, I can't stay on too late because my, my sister has a gymnastics meet tomorrow that I have to go to. And it was absolutely, uh, you know, this, this, this catfishing, this grooming. And I would do this to women and I would try to eventually get them to do sexual things. And it was, it was a total power play um, because ultimately my porn addiction was about control. It, you know, it, it's never about sex. It's never about naked women. It's about something else. And my, my alcoholism, that was to numb myself out. And the porn addiction, that was to yep. create a sense of control. Because, you know, think about it. The person on the page, they never say no. They never tell you to take out the trash. They never tell you to go pick up the kids at school. And if you want to be with two women that night, you can be. If you want to be with, you know, a certain nationality the next night, you can be. Nobody ever says no in porn. You're the master of your universe. And it got to the point where I was doing this with women online. And unfortunately, I ended up doing this with uh, a girl who was a teenager. And I didn't realize it at the time, but I got in trouble for that. And wow. the police wow. showed up at my door and said, we think that you have been talking to a, a teenage girl online. And I said, I don't think I have. They came in the house and laid it out how this one girl I talked to one time was a teenager. And the reality was I was very sick in my addiction and I wasn't thinking about consequences. And I wasn't, you know, interviewing people and asking them to see an ID. Now, I know, and I think I've always known that, you know, girls who are 15, 16, 17 can look 25, 26 and yep. vice versa, but that's not an excuse. I was, you know, I was ill and I was ill at my own volition because I stopped taking the psych meds that I was on uh, several months earlier because I was starting to have trouble with my business. So I thought if I pulled myself off, I... these, off these meds, I might be more creative. I might be a better problem solver. 
I wouldn't be tired or groggy. I'd save my business. But instead of saving my business, the alcohol became more, the porn became more. And like any addiction that escalates and becomes more extreme, I started to go into these chat rooms. And unfortunately, you know, or fortunately, depending on which way you look at it, because it probably saved my life, I ended up talking to this girl. And for the next two years, uh, after they arrested me and after I came home, you know, the day I was arrested, I, I, I ran the largest magazine in our area. I was just finished my uh, term as a city councilor in the city I live in. And, and it was all over the news, I bet, wasn't it? Was, it was when my wife picked me up at the sheriff's office and we came home, there was already a TV news van in front of my house. So mm. one of the things that, one of the reasons that I started doing this stuff is because I can't hide it. Go search me on Google. I mean, you will find some incorrect information there, but I can't hide what I, what I did. So if I can't hide it, I might as well own it. And I'm a decent communicator, so I might as well tell my story. I might as well do some more research. I might as well see how I can turn this around and turn it into a good. Now, you're always, even though you could do all the good in the world right now to try to, you know, make amends for what ended up happening. I do believe you. I don't believe that you maliciously did something like that on purpose. I can see where that easily would happen. I mean, have you gotten back close to, I mean, do people like you'll run into the random people and they'll be like, oh, that's that scumbag. And also like another thing, how much time did you have to do? Did you do any time for that? I did. I did six months in county jail. That, now, a lot of people don't realize this because they don't do it. You know, there is like a hierarchy when you go to jail. Like, did you have any problems or did people know what you were in there for? Because oh, a lot of people absolutely knew because the day before I went to jail, there was a big article in the paper that I was reporting the next day. Um, and it kind of ran down everything about it. But um, they also I think it was good that they knew what I did, because on the spectrum of sexual crime, a non-contact offense. Yeah with an older teenager is somewhat minor. Um, I would keep in mind, I live in Maine and keep in mind, I was put in county jail, not state yeah. prison, not state or federal prison. I was put into a uh, low security part of the jail. I was also put into protective custody. So there was always a guard outside my door. Most of the guys, there was about 10 guys in the pod that I was in, uh, you know, depending on the day. And pretty much those guys, Half of them had sex offenses. Every guy who went through there had a sex offense worse than I did, so I didn't really get it bad. And the other guys didn't want to be bothered. They might have been the guys who were picked on somewhere else and asked for uh, uh, protective custody. So there was no problem whatsoever. I was lucky in that the way the jail was set up. Were you in the uh, psych the, ward? The, the shower was private. No, I wasn't because... It was two. I was arrested in March 2014. I didn't start serving my sentence until July, until January 2016. So I had two years in between there. That's when I did my two stints oh. at rehab. That's when I researched everything I could. That's I actually the person who went to jail in 2016 was so much healthier than the guy who committed the crime because I had two years to pretty much full-time work on my health. And when I got to jail, one of the things that was fascinating was when I got to jail, uh, 
after you know gaining my trust after a couple of weeks, I had guys coming up to me and asking me about their issues. And these guys, they could have been uh, girlfriend beaters. They could have been drug addicts. They were more than willing to talk about their crimes. They were super embarrassed about their sex You got some great content, issues. I bet. I bet you got some good interviews in there. Like, were you able, did you write stuff down while That's you were in there? I, I, my, the first draft of my first book, I wrote my last three months while I was there. Oh, man. Dude, I could sit here and talk to you forever. I, I hope this has been okay for you, you know, uh, as an interview. Because I wanted to get one last question. I'm going to leave it sure. on this. Now, um, what is the most... When you were deep into your pornography addiction, what was your record on how many times you masturbated in one day? Once. I wasn't Once? addicted. I wasn't addicted to masturbating. Oh, you I was did. Oh, it was about the control. I, I was addicted to looking at porn and control, and especially at the end, controlling the woman through it. Um, I, you know, I was not a. I, I could look at it this way. For a poor, you know, for somebody who looks at porn recreationally, masturbation is the goal, or 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 you know, ejaculation is the goal. For a porn addict, it's just kind of the finish line. It lets you know you're done, and you know, because guys who are addicts, they're not looking for the same sexual thrill that the regular guy is looking for. I had this whole control thing I needed going on in my head. I wasn't looking because it was just sexy girls, um, you know. So. For me, it was one time. Now, I've talked to guys who have been six, seven times, and it's like, oh, my God, how are you still walking? Uh, I don't know how you can do that. Um, but for me, it was once because it was just, it was not about that, that kind of release for me. I could keep going on and on. Now, you know, you, you're talking about looking at it. Now, when I was younger, looking at pornography, it would kill my productivity throughout the day because I'll also mess with my sleep patterns as well too, because you always think you're going to find that next best video you've got. All right. I got to go to the next one. I got to see what this one is about. And the next thing you know, Holy crap, it's 3 AM in the morning. That's a very typical sign of porn addiction. When you're going after that golden clip or you're looking for that golden picture, because you haven't scratched that little itch in your brain yet that says, I know this is out there. I know this is out there. And that's part of the escalation. It's why somebody has another beer or somebody, you know, has another shot. It's why the gambler, you know, pulls that slot machine handle one more time or places that final bet. But it's not the final bet. It's not the final time of, of pulling the slot machine handle. You know, it's addiction. It's your brain telling you, you need this, you need this fix, but you're not getting it. So you continue and you continue and you continue and you figure out a way, whatever your addiction is, to get that fix you once got that was easier to get because you hadn't flooded your mind or flooded your dopamine receptors. You hadn't fried your pleasure centers yet. It gets continually harder to, uh, to essentially get that fix because it just escalates. You know, that's part of the brain chemistry. Josh, this has been a pleasure. I'd love to have you on again. Uh, tell, ask, tell people how they can find your book, your website, if they want to check you out. How can they do that? Yeah, anything that I have done, um, you can find at recoveringpornaddict.com. 
Uh, that includes my coaching, my books, my online course for partners. I do write usually between one and three articles a week, either about addiction or recovery. There are also, there's also a page of every interview I've ever done if you want to hear others. And there's a page of resources if you want to find a couple online sites or you want to see the 12-step groups. Just check out recoveringpornaddict.com and you should find it there. And if you don't, send me an email and I'll help you find it. All right. And uh, uh, the email can be found on the website? Absolutely. All right, Josh, thank you so much. This was a lot and not a lot of fun. It was just interesting, in my opinion. I, 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 as somebody who was a writer or is a writer, as somebody who does a lot of speaking, I completely understand that information has to be interesting, has to be borderline entertaining. And that's, what, that's why I get asked to go speak at groups, because this is not about judging. This is not about shaming. This is not about embarrassing. This is not about graphic, gory details. This is about education. And this is about sharing knowledge. And I think that's always interesting. Hey, Josh, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. And uh, I hope to speak to you soon. Tuttle, this has been great. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I, I really had a good time. And that's the show for today. Thanks for listening to the Tuttle Daily Podcast. Hey, don't be a dickhead. Do us a favor. Like, share, and subscribe to the show. Also, Check out the Tuttle category at 315live.com. The Tuttle Daily Podcast is brought to you by the Vapor Shades Hobo Fish Camp. You want some cool-ass sunglasses? Check out vaporshades.com. Also brought to you by stitchyouup.com, pocketpairclub.com. Special thanks to show intern Hannah and Charlie Lamo for their contributions. Additional imaging and production is provided by CCA Productions. Facebook.com slash CCA Productions Presents. Show voiceover service is brought to you by jcvoiceover.com. That guy's got a damn sexy voice. You should hire him. Check out jcvoiceover.com. If you want to help support the show, go to paypal.me slash Tuttle on the radio. Comments? Concerns? Or do you just want to let Tuttle know he's being a dickhead? Tuttle at gmail.com. That's Tuttle with two Ds at gmail.com. To follow all of Tuttle's social media, go to Tuttle.net. Thanks again for all your support, and we'll see you tomorrow on the Tuttle Daily Podcast. Hey, yo, Terry, fuck going on?